there, I am Lee Hatch-Bantelis, the Principal of Bryden's Lawyers, and welcome to LawPod. Today we have another very, very special guest, and of course we are drawing upon our special and unique relationship with the West Tigers. Today we have one of the marquee players over the last 20-odd years, someone in whom I have put a lot of, lot of faith and excitement and passion and and I think to some extent symbolises what the West Tigers is all about. Young Benji Marshall. Young. I like the, I like the term young, Lee. That's well, probably, I haven't been called that for a while. When you retire, you usually get old. Well, I was thinking about the formal introduction of Benjamin Quentin Marshall. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, no, it is. That's why. But I thought that might age you a little bit. Mm. Where does the Quentin come from? Uh, I asked my mum that and she just said she liked the name. I got named after um, one of my uncles. My mum's the youngest of 16. And uh, her brother, who's just older than... Him, because I didn't know my dad growing up, but he was like my dad, and I, I got named after him, and he's still like my dad today. My uncle, um, his name's Benji as well, and the Quinton part, my mum was going to call me Quinton, mm. but she thought she owed it to my uncle to to name me after him. Mm. I was at your testimonial, of course, and when you got up and you spoke, you referenced two mothers, yeah, and you said, "Look, it's a bit of a complicated history." You said, "I'm not <laughs> going to go into it now, and I don't want you to go into it now either." But the, what what do you find that that upbringing brings to you today? I mean, there obviously were challenges yeah, being brought up. How does that contribute to the man that you are today? Well, I guess a lot of people only see me for what I've sort of achieved on the field and, and the way I sort of played the game. But growing up was a complete different story. My mum had me when she was 15 and at the time struggled to look after me. I had another family come in and... They didn't formally adopt me, but they sort of took me under their wing and, and called me their own. So I've got two sets of parents. And on one side of the coin, my birth mum's side of the family, it wasn't a lot of money, but there was a lot of love and a lot of sport and a lot of adversity that had to be faced. And on the other side of the coin with my other parents, it was um, they owned a farm, they were dairy farmers. You know, they didn't struggle for money. There's always food on the table um, and, and, and a lot of love. So I learned two sort of ways of living growing up. And I think both of them contributed heavily to me being successful later on in life. Okay. You mentioned on the field, right? And your story from the time that you first came down to the West Tigers, 05, right through and ending your career with South is so well known. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything, there's any mystery left with it. So I'm, I'm, today, if you don't mind, I'm not really going to talk much no, about, about football. I think we just talk about Benji Marshall and the man you are and, and what life's like today and how, how you got here. Yeah. Well, let's start with something that really blew me away recently, the recognition by the New Zealand government, of course. Uh, companion of the New Zealand order. Mm. How special is something like that? Yeah, I mean, w when you play footy for a living, I, I already feel like that's a pretty lucky lifestyle to live and a privileged way to live your life and, and work. And to be recognised for something, um, you know, I got recognised for my services to rugby league in New Zealand. At first, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. And then when I really si sat back and thought about it and, and he heard the words of the Prime Minister of New Zealand, how she spoke about the way I influence younger children in New Zealand to want to play rugby league, but not only want to play rugby league, but um, be a better person. To me, that's that's everything. And that's the way I always try to live my life, was um, be myself, express myself uh, for everything that I was, and then also just try and be, be a good person. Because in life, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you haven't done. If, if you're not a good person, then all those things mean nothing to me. Yeah, but it's an extraordinary recognition, though, Benji. I mean, a companion of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to rugby league. If we were still knighting people, that you know, you'd, you'd be looking at a knighthood down the track. Huh. What um, what letters do you do? You know what letters you put after your name? Uh, I they, had to, have I they to, told you yet? I had to Google it to find <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, it's it's C N Z M. 
CNZF. Companion, the New Zealand Order of Merit. We did a, a fair bit for Tommy Radonikas, of course, after his passing, and, and Tommy had the Order of Australia recognition as well, and he, so he was Tommy Radonikas OAM. Yeah, right. And I can tell you that his family made it very well known that he was so proud of that, that every time that he was recognised anywhere in writing, that we had to include the OAM, which of course <laughs> we were happy to do, but he earned it, so it's, oh, absolutely. So, it's so, it's so you should make sure that you put that, and your family must have been incredibly proud. They were. You know, when I told them about it, they were like completely blown away, you know, like this stuff doesn't happen to people like us, um, yeah. especially the way we grew up. I mean, my mum's the youngest of 16. Uh, there wasn't a lot of money or anything like that. Whenever a new child came along, the eldest in the family sort of had to move out. And I grew up in a three-bedroom house at my grandparents' place. And always, all the kids would sort of maybe, if there wasn't a bed inside, would just go out and sleep in the tent in our sleeping bags. And for us, it, that was the best thing ever. Mm. You know, all the cousins sleeping out in the tent, having fun every night. It was the best way to, to be brought up. Now I can sleep anywhere. I mean, you know, I love it. And now you have your name mentioned by the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Oh, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Look, yeah. it's something that I, I won't take for, for granted, but it's also something that's not going to change mm. the, me or the way that I am as well. Is there a ceremony? Do you have to go to New Zealand for any reason? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, I have to decide. There's, there's three ceremonies you can choose from yeah. when you're available, and I'll just pick one of those out when I can make it. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about Benji Marshall today. Okay, you do a lot on Fox. Mm. Enjoying that? Yeah, I, I am actually. Um, one of the things I was most nervous about retiring was what's it going to look like, you know, day to day. How am I going to fill in the time? You know, playing rugby league for 19 years, my day's planned or my week's planned. Actually, my whole year's planned for me, where I don't have to worry about where I need to be tomorrow or, or what I need to do the next day. Um, it's already planned out for me. But now when you retire, all of a sudden, all those things are left to you. It sounds so simple, but when you're used to it for so long, it's a shock to the mm. system. But I've been lucky enough that retiring, I've been able to go straight into a full-time job working in the media where I'm doing four days a week, you know, about 35, almost 40 hours. And, you know, for me, I, I guess that's probably made the transition a lot easier, whereas a lot of players tend to struggle with the transition of filling in the time or finding a purpose, um, and that's still something that I sort of battle a little bit is, is and without any disrespect to the people that work on yeah. TV, at, at the end of the season or whatever, end of working on TV, there's no like prize or trophy mm -hmm. or no real purpose. You're just sort of talking about footy. Um, whereas playing, you're always playing for something. Mm. Well, you're spending a lot of time working on the show on Saturdays, for example, with uh, Cooper. Yeah. How are you finding that dynamic? Yeah, I love it. I didn't know Cooper that well uh, before working on Fox and um, he won't mind me saying it, but I used to tell him I used to think he was boring. <laughs> But working with him and and enjoying his company every Saturday. You know, I feel like we have a good dynamic. I feel like we sort of bring the best out of each other. We're comfortable enough around each other to make fun of each other, which I think is important. We have a bit of banter. Um, but he's one of the smartest footy brains that, that I've ever sort of worked with or spoken to. And just hearing him break down the footy, um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I enjoy listening to it. Well, that, well, that's the feedback that I'm getting for both of you because you're both very analytical in your approach to the game and I think that's what people want to, want to see or hear, your take on it. But it's interesting because Coop's been out of the game for a little while. Mm. You only retired last year. Yeah. So you're commentating on games involving players that you know very well, players that you've played with. Yeah. Is there a line that you can't cross? Well, in my life in general, I've never really bagged anyone. Um, you know that's not my style. I don't I don't go around talking behind people's backs, or I don't go out publicly slagging people or whatever. Um, but on TV, I, I try and keep it the same way. I'll be myself, and having to go at people is not my thing. You know, I'll try and give constructive criticism or just honest feedback, but I'll never personally target someone or, or say anything about anyone like that. Um, but I, I mean, 
I do like having fun with some of the boys that I did play with in interviews or you know, making fun of some of the things. But professionally, professionally I'm not going to change the way that I am. Yeah, I think that applies to a lot of things in life and a lot of criticisms that we've received you know, through the West Tigers, for example, or players and the like, where there's legitimate criticism where you're playing the ball, not the man. And I think that's where it crosses the line. Someone makes a mistake, for example, or there's a tackle gone wrong, that Brett Naden thing for the other day. Yeah. I mean, there's no suggestion whatsoever that Brett meant that. No. That was a tackle gone wrong. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll cop the punishment and he'll, he'll do the time. There's no doubt about it. But, but any suggestion of ripping into the individual is just completely wrong. You deal with it on its merits. Well, yeah. And I guess the easy thing to do is look at the person and, and judge or look at their history and just make an assumption straight away without knowing the truth and you know that's part and parcel of football unfortunately is a lot of people who think they know sometimes don't know but no. you got to cop the good with the bad and and, and when you're in the, the spotlight um and i and i had to deal with it many times in my career is things that get thrown at you are not always true but no. you got to find a way to deal with those things and apart from you know being one of the special analytical guests on the program uh, each and every week you've got your own show yeah uh benji monday nights mm. how are you finding that it's a struggle to be honest um you know, walking into hosting a TV show live is um, something that I definitely wasn't ready for. And I like it. Someone said, oh, well, what's it like? I said, well, you imagine playing footy your whole life when you go and play footy. It's just like a walk in the park. It's easy. And then when you go and play a new or find a new skill or you try and play tennis for the first time, you're not that good. And I found that walking into hosting a live TV show is it's, it's a lot of hard work. You've got to understand how it, the format goes, you know, understand how to ask a question or host a show and it's it's, com- it's completely different it's also a challenge and something uh, I, I think you need when you finish from footy is, is a challenge in trying to get, be good at something and um, um, how do you find the players are they responsive they're always agreeable to come on is they happy to help out well I, I have to go and find the players myself so okay. I have to go and ask them or, or chase them up and, and most of them are like really really good uh, obviously scheduling's tough sometimes with um, professional rugby league players and getting them on the show but yeah we haven't had a drama i I do give credit to to the players because they do like talking footy they just don't have a platform to do it and i think on my show it's because it's pretty positive and we don't delve into the negative side of things um we get to talk about all the things that the players want to talk about and i I let them come up with some of the topics that they want to talk about as well um, which i think is important Absolutely. I think, as I said, but people are interested just in, in players off the field as well, like who they are and what they do and what their interests are like. I think that's where that you gather a lot of interest from the public as well because these are, you know, their personalities. And a lot of these yeah. blokes are really interesting and really funny sort of people and you want to get to know them a bit better. Well, the thing I always found is a lot of people, even with myself, you know, they have an assumption or, or think they know who you are based off the way you played footy or the, mm. the things you did on the field. And then. Like, I couldn't tell you how many times I've met someone and they'd say, far out, you're way different to what I thought you were going to be. Like, seriously, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I'd be rich. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't think I'd get that. i get the opposite. You're yeah. exactly what I would have thought. Yeah, no, yeah, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, so that occupies a lot of your time. Yeah, it does, yeah. Celebrity Apprentice, how was that experience? Yeah, it was a real eye-opener, um, Celebrity Apprentice, you know, and one of the things I... When I agreed to do it, I just promised myself that I was always going to be myself no matter what. I wasn't going to delve into, again, stabbing people in the back or you know being dishonest or whatever. I wanted to be keep my integrity and be who I am. And one of the things I loved about this being on the show is, uh, well, the, the most important thing is the amount of things we got to do for charities. And not only the charity that I represented, but all the charities that all the other celebrities um, represented. And it's funny, you find on the show a lot of the celebrities who had never been in teams 
were so individual focused in the challenges they only cared about what them not getting fired and not so much about what was going to win for the team and that ended up costing them in the long run well, that explains why they got fired well the experience yeah. that i had from being in teams it doesn't matter what your role is it's whatever's best to make your team win and well that's an interesting take isn't it you draw on your experience as a team player mm. rugby league to going into a team raising money for a charity and you draw on those experiences well that that had to be an advantage for you it was and and people when i first got there they were like oh well, what's he getting? like he's just a footy player what's what mm. what could he possibly know that's better than us and it, it was an advantage and you know i felt felt lucky for that but also i was also there because I actually wanted to raise money for charity and it was about the charity, whereas a lot of people, I think, were there for themselves. And that's that's the difference. Yep. You know, when you're there worrying about what's going to be best for you and not what's best for the charity, that's already, like to me, losing. You're losing focus on what you're, what you're actually there for. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, uh, I've said this a thousand times about the young solicitors that we employ within the firm. If they don't focus on the service, on the job that they're providing, on, on what the actual... Uh, the reason why they've been retained by a client, but they're looking at the big picture, the invoice, the fees, or whatever might might be down the track, they've missed the point. Yeah. Look at the product. Look at the quality of the product that you provide, the quality of the service, and everything else will take well, care of the, itself. Well, that's the outcome. Yeah. You know, if you're worried about the outcome, it's like footy. If yep. you worry about the outcome all the time, then you're stressed about, or you forget about what the process exactly. is to get to the outcome. That's, that's very, and, very And true. that's how it was on the show. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people got fired off the back of worrying about the outcome mm. you know, instead of doing all the little things the n- number of very eclectic type characters on the show is there anyone that you buddied up to anyone that you I mean I know you, you had uh, Samantha Jade at your testimonial yeah, singing yeah. So. Yep. yeah there was I mean uh, yeah I really love Samantha Jade um, she's such a nice person very genuine there was a couple on there actually Jean Kitson a comedian she was quite a nice lady but the thing I, l- I learned is uh, a couple of times I got frustrated at a few people for as soon as the cameras come on, they'd be a little bit fake or a little bit different. And then when the cameras go off, they go back to being nice again. I, I couldn't cop that. Um, and, and I'd say it to their face that I couldn't okay. cop that. But the, the thing that I learned is you have to understand and sometimes accept people for what they're trying to do. Or, you know, not everyone is, mm. is famous for playing rugby league or being a singer. Some of them are famous for being on reality TV shows, you know, yeah. and that's their way of being famous. So once I accepted that they were acting up in a way that they thought was best for them to, to be famous or whatever, then I could get over the, the I won't swear, but the, no. the crap that they were yep. doing on the show. Cause no, there no, was, I understand. Mate, there was bullying. Yep. Um, there was cases of mistrust, you know, behind mm. the back, backstabbing. There were so many things. And uh, I guess one of my proudest things from the show is that anything that I saw that I didn't like, I would stand up to. And there was an episode where there was a little bit of bullying. Um, oh, I won't say who from, but it was pretty obvious said to a lady that made a joke about her having dementia. Yeah, you know, dementia is one of those things that people suffer, you know, really terrible yeah, disease that you just don't, you don't make jokes about. Joke anyway, about. I, I, st- I stood up for that mm-hmm. because that's not how you talk to people. Yep. And I, like I said, I always promised myself on the show if I ever saw something that was bullying or, or you know, sexist or whatever yep. it was, yep. I wasn't going to stand for it. No, fair enough. Now, we mentioned uh, Samantha. We mentioned your testimonial. As I said, I was there. Uh, unbelievable night. Um, what was it? Five, six hundred people. Yeah. Huge. I mean, what a testament to you and your career that all these people were willing to turn up and, yeah. and, and, and pay tribute. Ha, ha, from your perspective, I mean, it, it's got to be humbling, doesn't it, to see I all was, those people It was there? very emotional. I yeah. was finding it very hard um, the whole night to fight back the tears of just how many people were there, you know. And I'm quite an emotional dude, to be honest. But the, the biggest part for me is... 
I don't like the uh, as much as people would freak out and be like that can't be true but I don't like the fanfare of just being about me um, I always did everything that was about the team but that was the first time that I actually accepted something being about me and it still doesn't sit that well with me but for me it was more about all the people who were there from the start of my journey were all at that night at the end of my journey mm. and my the most um, fun that I had with it was letting all those people come along the journey on the ride and they felt like they were a part of it you know, well, that, even, even though they didn't play well that says something about you and the quality of the friendship doesn't it that the people that were there at the start of the journey are still stay there now that says something about the quality of the friendship yeah and, and a lot of those people were like weren't mates from footy or anything mm. they were just like friends but my family uh, like for example was um, a lot of them said to me just that night that they hadn't said to me before was that they were really proud of the role model that I became for mm. all the children in our family because I gave them something better to, to try and chase or a life that they thought they could be better. And yeah. for me, that was the biggest thing to come out of my whole career is that all my family are, are looking up to me, even my uncles and aunties, um, wanting to be better. Yeah, it's, it's not about validation. It's no. not about you know, what it is. It's just that you've made them proud. And when mm. you realise that, I mean, it's a very humbling thing. And, it's, and I suppose it would be even more so now for you. you your understanding of it would be greater as a father. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Things things change when you become oh, a father, and you does. you kind of understand your parents' approach, and and as I say, their aspirations and and, and, and hope and ambitions for you. It's very different. It is, yeah. And, and <laughs> it's sometimes it's st it's still hard for me to accept. But that night, the other night at the testimonial, was the first time that I actually reflected on retiring. Yeah, I never really had time to do it because I mm. went straight into the apprentice, straight into TV, and you know, and that's why I think I was so emotional is because I'd never actually thought about the impact that I had on people's lives or it's funny because I played with heaps of kids in the last couple of years who said oh I was at school when you won an 05 yeah, and okay. you know, <laughs> I was doing flick passes in the park <laughs> oh dear it's crazy I end up playing with a lot of those kids yeah um, but I always loved how I could always relate to the kids you know yeah. that, that, that was important to me um, and Wayne, Wayne said to me when he signed me to go to Brisbane you know I need you to bring this group together so yeah. I'd always go and get to know the younger guys first and go out mm. with them a bit because it's always easier to bring the young guys in and yep. take them to the older guys instead of go with all the old guys first and try and get, let the young guys come in. Yep. Once you let the younger guys be comfortable with you, then you can sort of bring them together with the older guys and that's why Wayne took me to Brisbane. Okay. Speaking of that, and one of the interesting dynamics that I'm interested in in relation to the dressing room itself is the interaction or the involvement of the Polynesian play. It's got to be very different today to what it would have been when you started in 03. Yeah. Very different. Were there challenges originally coming into squads as a Polynesian player or, or not? Were you fully accepted? Was there any issues as, as such? Is it different today? Uh, well, for me, there wasn't because I never looked at it like that and I never ever had made excuses or tried to like look at um, because of, you know, I'm Polynesian or whatever. But I guess the hardest thing is um, when you come from a small town in New Zealand and you go to a city where the bright lights and that is trying to catch up to that. So what, what is the small town? Fakatani. So, right. so Bo Ryan was right. So yeah. that wasn't a joke. No. He was serious. Yeah. Okay. He only knows because he's been there. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a big thing yep. when you move to a big city and you're chasing a dream. But I was really lucky. I went, I went to the Tigers at a young age and I had guys like Mark O'Neill, John Scandalis, Ben mm. Galea, who took me under their wing. And like I said at the testimonial, I, I'm really lucky that I had Tim as a coach to start because... I was doing a lot of things that people weren't doing, like these sidesteps, yep. flick passes, chips and chases, second tackle. And I honestly reckon if I went to any other club, I maybe would not have lasted because 
Tim embraced the way that I played and he encouraged me, you know, I'd throw a cutout pass that go into the grandstand. <laughs> and he, you know, the message would come on and say, Do it again. Yeah. Not have, not have, don't do that. No, you know, and, have another go. and encourage me to just yeah. try things and, yeah. and want to pull it off. And oh, like I know I in my time I made a lot of mistakes, but at the same time, like I've done a lot of things that people would never dream of doing yep. or n- would never try because I was encouraged to do it. No. And uh, if I wasn't at the Tigers, I don't think I would have done that. Well, uh, on the night, of course, special guest, the first panel was Sheens and yeah. Wayne Bennett. Mm-hmm. Now, the two coaches, that one who started your career and one who finished it, finished it so yeah. to speak. And between them, there's probably 3,000 years yeah, of coaching history <laughs> or whatever. Uh, very, are they similar? Are they different? If you had to compare the two, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to ask which one's a better coach, but in terms of their approach to the game, are they similar or different? Very different. Okay. But the one thing that was the same is... Um, they both cared about their players, you know, and that, that's important. Tim, to me, is probably the best I've ever seen at developing all the basics and getting people to understand the game, different options, knowing a game plan, knowing your role. Uh, and he always encouraged whatever you practiced on the field uh, at training, you could do in the game, you know, and I love that about Tim. But Wayne's, like, completely opposite. Like, technically, he would be just, you know, like like most of the fans. Yeah. He's, he's not big on... Do your best, son. He's not. Mm. He's not best. No, he's not big on saying, "We'll go out and do this play for that play for mm. that play." You know, he's big on getting to know you, uh, where you're from, all the things off the field that you're going through. Is your life okay? Well, let's sort your life out. If it's not, and then if your life's good at home, then when you come to the training, you'll be happy. And he'd always provide an environment or, or workplace that every day you turned up, it was fun, and you wanted to be there, no matter if you're winning or losing at least the environment was fun and you wanted to be there and you get the best out of yourselves. And then when you go on the field, I've never seen anyone give the players as much confidence and belief in themselves as what Wayne does. And he does it in a way where he's quite ruthless with his approach, but at the same time, you respect it because it's Mm. honest and you know he cares about you. Mm. So whatever he's saying about you, it's not personal. But because he's done the work to get to know you, understand you, you feel like you can trust him with that honesty. And... That's why he's so great at what he mm. does. You know, he, what he did with that Queensland team that was supposedly the worst Queensland yep. team ever a few years ago, that's how he does it. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, I don't understand any Queensland team being bad. The minute they pull on that maroon jumper, exactly. they leave. Yeah, that's bizarre. They yeah. suggest that. But they often refer to him as more of a man manager. He gets the best out of people, mm. makes them, you know, the best player they can be and the best person they can be. And I think that reflects on how they play as well. Well, I think it says, like, just the way that Tim coached and Wayne coached and the way that Bellamy coaches, there's no right way of having success as a coach. Mm. But the one thing they all did was understand their players and yeah. treat them the right way. Yeah. And that's important. And oh, agreed. You'd know being a dad of, yeah. of teenage kids. Like, now, yeah. the generation is very different now to what it was 10 15 years ago a lot of things have changed you know and now we work on okay well back when i started like you weren't allowed to have depression or you weren't allowed Mm -hmm. to be sad because that was like no you can't you just need to be happy that that would be seen as weakness yeah it was and now weaknesses um or vulnerable weakness is a strength you know showing Mm -hmm. vulnerability is a strength it's not a weakness and to me that's where like the game is at now Mm -hmm. as you understand your players you know bring them in for a cuddle Yep. get the best out of them by whatever suits each player individually, yep. not judging everyone the same or treating everyone the same. It's amazing. We're talking about two men now who are in their 70s, early mm. 70s, who are still relevant to the game today, yep. who have obviously grown and developed and understood the changes yeah. and adapted to them. So it's a credit to both of them. They're obviously very, very bright men. Well, they're both very smart. Mm. And, and Tim was always the one who 
changed the way the game was played. You know, the, the game was changing. Like in 05, the way we played footy changed the way that it was getting played. And Tim was always the leader in that and, and changing it. You know, he'd always come up with different um, strategies or, or, or plays that in about three weeks, every other team started doing. You know, and, and with Wayne, he was just so great at um, if he couldn't do anything, he'd never be too high on his horse to ask someone mm. for help. If he couldn't do it, he'll go and find someone who could and he'd employ someone to do the things that he can't do and he'd not be shy to admit, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yep. I'll get someone else to do it, which is a big thing to do. Mm. No, absolutely. Absolutely.